Uh, so I was just sitting back there and I was thinking, okay, you know, why is there Labor Day? Okay, to honor people that labor and, and all of that. And I thought, uh, you know, God just brought this thought into my mind that uh, sometime tomorrow while we're sitting around enjoying not really doing a whole lot, probably some might be doing some things, but most people will be sitting around uh, just enjoying the day off. Uh, let's not forget why we were are here, though. Uh, we're here to labor for the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 23, 4 says, labor not to be rich. Uh, our desire should not be uh, to do great things here, to be great here. Uh, don't, um, you know, store up our riches here on earth. Uh, we should be laboring for eternity. The things we should be uh, focusing our time on and laboring on should be things that affect, affect eternity. Uh, so I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15.58. And I know it's a well-known verse. I want to read it. I want us all to see it as I read it. And uh, we'll just look at this together. This is just a little mini message that I put together in like two minutes back there. So <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I just got to thinking about Labor Day and, and just, you know, why are we here? We're here because... We're supposed to work for the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Uh, it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as ye know not that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our, our labor is not in vain if it's for the Lord. Uh, so just remember that. Tomorrow, think on this verse. Think on the verse. It's Proverbs twenty-three four. Tomorrow, uh, as we're relaxing, enjoying the Labor Day holiday and everything, just think: Why are we still here? Why did God not just call us home after salvation? It's because we're here to labor. Uh, so let's make sure we focus on laboring for the Lord. All right, that ends that little mini message, uh, and now we're on to the judges of Israel, and we're still looking at Gideon. And I'm just going to be honest with you, we'll probably be in Gideon for a while. I just keep finding a whole lot in there. And I just don't like to skip through things very quickly. Uh, so we're looking at Gideon again. Uh, tonight I titled it Gideon's Boldness, uh, just to kind of give you a general theme uh, of the message tonight. Uh, last week we were continuing the life of Gideon as well. Uh, we know that Gideon was picked to be judged by God. Gideon desired to know God's will. And, and then we looked at how Gideon made sure to put God first. Uh, Gideon took care in putting his priorities in order. Uh, Gideon then served God. Gideon did manual labor. Uh, we're just talking about labor. Gideon did labor. He labored for the Lord. Uh, physical work there uh, to tear down that altar and build uh, the altar for God. Uh, it wasn't easy work, but he got it done. So even as a leader in this uh, prestigious position of being the judge of Israel, he still rolled up his sleeves, uh, got dirty, and got down to doing hard work for the Lord. Uh, we then seen that there were people that didn't really like that the work of the Lord was being done. Uh, we know that there will be opposition when doing the work of the Lord, uh, but we need to keep serving anyways. Uh, this week, we're going to see more opposition to the will of God and the work being done. Uh, but don't worry, don't get discouraged. We're going to see that how we have a God that will go to battle with us. Um, we'll see how that we can be a bold servant for God. We'll also be looking at 
Gideon's signs tonight and how God responded to Gideon's request. Uh, but first, I want to see that the enemy gathers for battle. Look at Judges chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 33. And we'll see how the enemy gathers for battle. It says in Judges 6.33, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abizer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulon, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Uh, so we see here, uh, first in verse 33 there, that the enemy was gathered together. Uh, in this series of the judges of Israel, we've discussed a few times already about the fact that the enemy comes prepared to fight against Israel. Uh, one thing I don't know that the enemy realizes is that when they come after a child of God, they have to go through God first. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three, verses one through three. Uh, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Now, this is uh, Paul writing in uh, the book of Thessalonians, and he has with him Silvanus and Timothy, and they're writing to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, they are letting the church there know what they can pray about for them. Uh, they tell them that they can pray for them to be delivered from the wicked men, and, it, uh, and they specifically say, that they know that God can do that. God can deliver them uh, because it is God that establishes them. It's God that strengthens them. Uh, and God, and they know that God can keep them from the evil. Uh, when the enemy goes against the children of Israel, and when the enemy goes against a child of God, the enemy has to go through God to get to us. Uh, they don't just get free access to us. Uh, Deuteronomy 31, 8, and the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Now, this is Moses's, if you, if you will, his free, uh, farewell speech and the, also the announcement of Joshua being the new leader for Israel. Uh, Moses is talking about the enemy. And how that Israel has to go and face these enemies to be able to take the land that God has given them. And then this verse that I just read comes in. I want to read it again. Deuteronomy 31, 8. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. God will go before us. If God is before us, then that means... For the enemy to get to us, they would have to go through God first. Uh, we can take comfort in the fact that God is standing in front of us. Uh, now, this doesn't mean that we'll never have to face the enemy. Uh, 
Joshua led Israel into battle uh, many times and had to face the enemy. God didn't do it for him. He had to go do it many times. I counted 13 times uh, myself. I'm sure there might be more than that. Uh, so was God not in front of them in those cases? God certainly was in front of them, and God was with them. Sometimes I believe that God fights the battle for us, and we never really have to get into the fight. And I think of uh, Lot when I think of that. And so go to Genesis chapter 19, and we'll take a look at that real quick and see how Lot did not have to face the battle. Genesis chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And, and they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in to it unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat. So these angels come into town and uh, Lot meets them and invites them over and he talks them into coming to his house. Uh, Keep reading there in verse four. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. So they're all in his house, these angels and Lot and his family. And uh, the men of the city who have evil things planned uh, start knocking on the door and start yelling for Lot to come out and to bring those two men out. And so Lot goes out to talk to them. And then... Uh, pick up reading in verse 9. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we, will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Uh, so they're trying to get into the, the angels there. Uh, but the men put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Uh, so we see here that Lot did not have to face this battle. Those men, Lot did go out and, and he did address the men there, but uh, God used those angels and pulled Lot back into the house. And those angels went out and they took care of it for Lot. So sometimes God will do that. Uh, God will fight the battle for us. I think sometimes we may not even know that there was a battle because God just took care of it for us. But most of the time, God will still go before us, uh, but God will allow us to serve him in the battle. Uh, So not all the time will God fight the battle for us. He'll allow us to serve him in the battle. This will cause us to rely on him. Uh, It will strengthen our relationship with God. And our faith will grow and we can mature through this 
uh, serving him through the battle. Uh, God is always before us and God is always with us. And sometimes he'll take care of it for us and sometimes uh, we will join him in the battle. Just know that if you find yourself face to face with the enemy, then that enemy already had to face God to get there. And you can know that God is also right there with you. Uh, so Gideon's uh, enemy here, they gather. The, the enemy of Israel here is gathering. Uh, so what does Gideon do? Gideon takes a bold stand here. Look back at Judges chapter 6 and verse 34. It says, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. So I don't think that this was very natural for Gideon to do. Uh, when God first comes to Gideon, he was not an outwardly, overly aggressive guy. Uh, he was not walking around looking for people to fight. Uh, he was actually looking for ways to not really get involved in any confrontation or any fights. Uh, we, he was in that barn uh, trying not to be seen by the enemy. Uh, Gideon, it was not like Samson, who just went out and tried to fight nations just for a sport. He was not like that at all. Uh, Gideon was somewhat of a quiet guy, not looking for any trouble. Now, Gideon's enemy, uh, Israel's enemy here, they're gathering to battle against them. Uh, does Gideon hide this time? No, he doesn't. In verse 34, he's not hiding. Uh, Gideon does not look to avoid this battle in verse 34 here. Uh, Gideon does the opposite. He blows the trumpet to signify that they will be going to war. Uh, I think most of us Christians are a lot like Gideon in the beginning of this chapter 6. Uh, I think we like to kind of hide in the back sometimes. We don't want to be seen. Uh, we don't want to be bold for the work of the Lord sometimes. Uh, we don't mind uh, working for the Lord. We don't mind doing something small, maybe something behind the scenes, uh, but we would never want to do something bold like this. Well, if you find that every time an opportunity comes for you uh, to do something for God and you shy away because you don't want to be bold for God, then you're probably like Gideon in the beginning of this chapter. Uh, we do this when sometimes events come up, maybe like we, we have VBS or we have revival services coming up here soon. Uh, and we look for ways to serve that doesn't have too much involvement, uh, ways that we don't have to be in front of anybody, maybe ways that nobody will know that we even did anything. Yeah, maybe we just want to uh, bake some cookies and drop them off and, and, and just be done. Uh, we need to be bold for God, though. We need to be like Gideon in verse 34 here. We need to go and blow the trumpet for God. Uh, we need to sign up to sing specials. Uh, we need to sign up to teach classes. Uh, we need to jump at the opportunity to serve God no matter what it is. Uh, we have opportunities every single week here in this church. You can be bold for God in our outreach ministries every Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Gideon got out of the barn that he was hiding in. He picked up the trumpet and he boldly blew the trumpet for God. Uh, maybe you're thinking, well, I could never do that. Uh, I'm too shy. I understand um, it's not always pleasant being in front of people, you know. Uh, maybe you're thinking you're too shy or too nervous uh, or too whatever, and uh, you're just not sure that you could do that. Well, I can show you how that none of that uh, matters by showing you how Gideon was able to be bold for God. 
It's right there in the verse. Uh, Gideon was able to be bold for God because he was filled with the spirit. Look at verse 34 again. It says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And what does Gideon do as soon as the spirit of the Lord is on him? He picks up that trumpet and he blows it. Uh, Gideon became bold for God because he was filled with the spirit. Once that spirit filled Gideon, he was excited to serve God and he was doing it boldly. Before being filled with the Spirit, Gideon would have never been bold enough to serve God in this manner. Uh, but now that he has the Spirit in him, he is ready to go. He's excited. He is boldly serving God. But you know what? We have the Spirit in us. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this means that we have everything necessary to boldly serve God. Uh, we are fully capable of picking up that battle trumpet and boldly start serving God and going out into this world and boldly battling for God. We have everything necessary because we are filled with the Spirit. Uh, Gideon was able to be bold and able to serve God because he was filled with the Spirit. We can be bold and serve God because we are also filled with the spirit. Uh, so Gideon, he is bold. He's ready to serve God. And so is he alone in this? No, Gideon has fellow servants here. Gideon has fellow laborers ready to serve with him. Look again at verse 34. <clears throat> but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and a miser was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulon and under Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. So uh, Gideon was not alone in his getting ready to serve God. Uh, the people of the family of Abizer, this is uh, from the tribe of Manasseh, they gathered with him to serve. We see that in verse 34. And the people... They heard the trumpet calling them into action. They jumped up ready to serve. They didn't hide. Uh, they didn't try to talk uh, about how they were too nervous or too shy or they, they can't do this. They didn't try to just bake cookies and bring them in for a bake sale or something. Uh, it, they didn't try to hide. They were gathered with Gideon and they were ready to go to battle. There was no shortage of people willing to serve God here. In verse 34 and verse 35, we see plenty of laborers ready to serve. Uh, we see the people of Abizer uh, and Asher and Zebulon and Naphtali. They're all with Gideon. They're all ready to serve. All these people were relying on God to help them in this battle. Uh, and they're willing to do whatever God asked them to do, and they are ready to serve God. Now, I want us to notice that this all happened after Gideon blew the trumpet. Uh, if Gideon was not willing to be bold and serve God, if Gideon didn't blow this trumpet to call the people together to serve, then none of these people would have been there. Uh, the, the people would not have gathered there to serve God. None of the people would have been able to serve God in this manner. Uh, none of the people would have had the opportunity to do the work of the Lord uh, in, in this manner. Uh, it all started with Gideon blowing the trumpet. 
Uh, first off, if you are a Gideon, if you are a spiritual leader in some situation, don't be afraid to pick up that trumpet and blow that trumpet for God. And second, if you uh, hear the trumpet, come quickly, come ready, come willing to serve the Lord. Uh, we need each other to do the work that God has for us Christians to do. Uh, we need all the people of this congregation here to be able to do the work that God has for this church to do. Uh, Gideon knows that the enemy has gathered for battle. Uh, he gets filled with the Spirit. He get, takes a bold stand to serve God. And his fellow laborers gather with him to serve God. Now I want to take a look at what happens next. Uh, we see Gideon's fleece here. Uh, the next thing we see in, in chapter 6 here, to end chapter 6 actually, is Gideon's fleece, Gideon's signs. Uh, so let's pick up reading in verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then, I sh then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. So uh, we see here in verse 36 that Gideon questions God. In verse 36, if you look at it there, it says the word if. Gideon says if. If thou wilt save Israel. Gideon already knows God said he was going to save Israel. But Gideon says if you are going to do this. Gideon is questioning God. He's asking God. Uh, Gideon multiple times here, needs God to reconfirm what he already told him. Now, we know in Numbers twenty three nineteen it says, God is not a man that he should lie. If God says something, it cannot be a lie. We know that if God says he's going to use me to do something, I know that it is true. I don't need to say if. I can believe it uh, in faith because I know that God cannot lie. Uh, Psalms chapter 119, verse 160 says, Thy word is true from the beginning. Everything God says, every written word, every spoken word is true. We can believe it. If God says it, it will happen. And Psalms chapter 19, verse 9, it ends with, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And there's many more verses we could read that tells us that God is perfect. Uh, that his words are perfect, his will is perfect, his ways are perfect. Uh, if God says something, then it absolutely will come to pass. It will happen. Uh, we don't need to question it. We probably shouldn't question it if God said it. Uh, now for Gideon, I, I think it's a little bit different for him. Um, the Bible says in 2 Peter 1.19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, and this is in 
reference to God speaking vocally uh, and God's written word. Well, today we have the more sure word of prophecy. We have the completed word of God, the Bible. Uh, We have what God wants us to know. It's written down for us, and it's right here in front of us. We have no reason to question anything that God says in his written word. It is sure, it is right, it is pure, and it is accurate. Uh, There is nothing to question in this word of God, in, in our Bible. Now, I'm not saying that Gideon was okay to question God here. That's not for me to judge. But what I am saying is it is not right for us today to question something God tells us in his word. Uh, we have uh, more reasons not to question God than Gideon did in that day because we have a completed Bible. Now, I personally, I wish that Gideon would not have said if here. I wish Gideon would have just blown that trumpet and marched off into battle uh, with his fellow servants there, but that's not what happened. Uh, Gideon asked God if. Uh, God, Gideon wanted to know if God was sure about all this. He says, if thou wilt save Israel. So Gideon was asking if God was sure and also asking God for proof about it all. Uh, Gideon asks for very specific signs. Look at verse 37. Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. See, Gideon even says there, he already knows God said that he would do this. Uh, Then that's the first thing he asked God to do. Then look at verse 39. He asked God to do another thing here. And Gideon said unto the Lord, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Uh, let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon the ground. Let there be dew. Gideon asking is asking God to give him proof here that what God said, what God already said, that he would save Israel by Gideon's hand. Gideon is asking if this is real and uh, Gideon is asking, can I have some proof here? Uh, Gideon comes up with uh, a somewhat of a simple way of getting himself some proof. Uh, Gideon comes up with a plan to lay the fleece on the ground, and if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, then he knows for sure that God is going to do what he said. And then that wasn't good enough for Gideon, so he asks again for more proof and says, this time make the fleece dry and the ground wet. Uh, That's what Gideon's plan was. That's what Gideon was asking God to do. Now let's see what God has to say about all this. Look at verse 38. And it was so, for he rose up early in the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. So God answered his request there. And look at verse 40. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Again, God answered Gideon there. Uh, God does a miracle here for Gideon, really. Uh, God gives Gideon the answers he was asking for. Uh, Gideon asked God for proof, and God gives it to him. I think this would be pretty cool to see. Uh, The ground is completely dry, and he gets this bowl full of water out of the fleece. I think that's pretty cool. And then the next day, the whole ground was wet, but the fleece was dry. And, And I guarantee you that there was not a drop of water 
on that fleece. It was completely dry. There was nothing on it. I don't think God left any doubt uh, that that fleece was dry and this is what God's will was. Uh, God answered Gideon the way that Gideon asked for. Uh, and I wonder why is that? So I have two reasons that I believe that God does this for Gideon. Uh, so why does Gideon uh, get the answer from God? First, I think it's because God does not like confusion. God does not like confusion. Uh, if you do a study on confusion in the Bible, uh, you will quickly find that God does not like confusion at all, uh, especially in his, uh, his own children's lives. And God does not like confusion concerning his will and his ways. Psalms 71.1, it says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Now we see in this verse uh, a contrast. Uh, contrast. Uh, we see confusion on one side and God on the other side. Uh, God is nowhere near confusion at all. First uh, Corinthians 14.33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion. Uh, God does not like confusion. God likes direct and specific information. Uh, God never intends to confuse his children, especially when asking them to do t some type of service for him. Uh, so first, why does Gideon get these answers? I believe it's because God does not like confusion. So God was clearing it up for Gideon. Now, secondly, uh, I think that God shows mercy and grace to Gideon by showing him these signs. God shows uh, grace and mercy to Gideon by showing him these signs. God did not have to show Gideon these signs. Uh, God did not have to continue to explain himself to Gideon and keep on pushing him to do what he has already asked him to do. God could have just said, never mind Gideon, and moved on to somebody else. He, uh, he could have said that Gideon didn't have enough faith and he'll just find somebody else to do the job that needs to be done. Uh, God did not have to use Gideon at this point, but God chose to use Gideon. Uh, God showed great mercy to Gideon by continuing to use him and allowing him to still serve him after this questioning. Uh, God showed mercy to Gideon by showing him these signs. Uh, God could have punished Gideon, but he didn't, and that's mercy. Uh, God could have said, no, I won't show you these signs, and you can still serve me anyways. But God didn't. God, in his grace, did these signs for Gideon. Now, uh, we looked at how even though the enemy is going to gather to battle against us, we don't need to be worried uh, because we serve a God that goes out before us and will go out with us. Uh, we may still have to go through the battle, uh, but we will not have to go through it alone. God is with us. Uh, we also looked at how Gideon was able to be bold in his service to God. And that was because he was filled with the spirit. We can be bold Two, because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you were filled with the Holy Spirit from the time you got saved. And, and through the Holy Spirit, we can boldly serve God. Now, in our service to God, we need to remember that God does not like confusion. If God asks us to do something, uh, he will not be trying to confuse us. 
He will also give us the right amount of information that we need to get the service done. Uh, We can always go to the completed word of God to get his wisdom and his direction for us. And we can know that his written word is sure. Uh, We need to be bold servants for God. Uh, We need to uh, realize that we are filled with the Holy Spirit so we can go out and boldly serve God this week. Let's pray.